I like that it's just a picture of a little U.S. soldier dressed in all white and a little U.S. soldier just in red sitting on the, the shoulders of these rebels like, hey, go ahead, yeah. take them out. Yeah. You know you want to do it. And the other guy's like, don't do it. You'll destabilize the region. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast. Yes, welcome. Welcome to the Lions of Liberty podcast, everybody. Now, you may be a little shocked to hear a voice that you're not accustomed to. A better voice, some would say. More masculine. Maybe a little pronunciation. Probably a better vocabulary, you say to yourselves, and you'd be right. Because this is the voice of Brian McWilliams instead of Mark Clare, who you might rightly love, but could not be here with us tonight. He's off uh, combing his long, luxurious blonde locks. So I am here instead hosting this debate recap show, the 10th debate. My God, the 10th debate. But we're here. Let's keep a keep a, a positive outlook. And I'm not alone. No, no, I am not alone here. I brought with me some Liberty compatriots I will be bringing in. The first of which resides right in Ohio, where one candidate on stage would not let us forget was his home state, that being John Kasich. Let's welcome Rico. Rico, what's up, buddy? Oh, <laughs> I feel like a, a sense of deja vu for some reason, but, uh, well, I can't, I, I can't pull back the curtain to divulge the technical issues we had trying to record this podcast the first time, but you know, like a twin where like one of them dies, but the second one lives and it's better. That's what this podcast will be like. Yeah. So let's, let's go with that. And, uh, <laughs> I'll save the jokes I already made the first time because they really weren't that good. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. There's your test run. What are you drinking over there, by the way? We'll say I'm drinking some Modelo. Perfect. <laughs> Better the second time around. All right. Excellent. Uh, I'd also like to bring in the fabulous Frenchman from Philadelphia, Mr. JB Lubin. Once again, thank you for the kind intro. I have no problem introing you all you like, sir. Let me know what liquor you're putting into your body. I have a, a nice tequila on ice, and I also have a beer on the side, too. I'm finishing up from the debate. Some Old Forge Porter. Yeah. What made was right that here horrible, in Pennsylvania. Did, what was that horrible tequila drink you had uh, a few debates ago? It's like it te- was like tequila and some, some disgusting juice like orange it wasn't juice. that bad it had like it was tequila ginger ale and v8 splash not oh v8 mind you. when i re <laughs> when i re-listened to the pod you thought it was like like tomato juice v8 v8 splash which is just fruit juice that's still Did sounds you go awful on, like webtender.com and pick the lowest rated drink and work your way up that way no, i just open up my fridge and whatever's cold i just dump in there sometimes <laughs> the gop was boasting about their diversity on stage but the diversity can really be found in jb's drink selection oh yeah and it's just as horrible as our candidates all right <laughs> bring in the last the last member of this group howie snowden are you in the house i am in the house Excellent. i am not drinking tonight though uh Getting over some bronchitis, and during the last Democratic debate, I had a hard enough time staying awake drinking. I thought it might be best before I go tonight and just have a little bit of coffee. Jeez, you going to make it through the podcast? You sound a little rough there. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Just been, right. uh, well, no drinks for you then. Right, hopefully, at least you can sip on some Robitussin, maybe some uh, some NyQuil, get a little hammer, a little robo-tripping. Oh, yeah. I've, heard, I've got some of the uh, cough medicine with codeine for afterwards. Yeah. Don't even wait till afterwards, man. Bring it out. Let your freak flag fly. All right. Gentlemen, before we begin, I just want to give a quick shout out and, uh, and just tell everybody that, you know, 
if you like this podcast, you can support it in various ways. You can mail me money directly. Uh, you can get a tattoo of lionsofliberty.com on your forearm. Show it to everybody. Really encourage them to come out here. But more than that, you can also help our site out by going to libertymaniacs.com. And if you put in the code Lions of Liberty, you get 10% off all these crazy Liberty t-shirts. And you know what? We're going to have our own Liberty t-shirts coming very soon by your friends at Lions of Liberty. So check that out. We'll let you know as soon as those go out there. All right. Now, on to the debate. Well, let, let me say, just starting off, you've already done a better job moderating this uh, podcast than Wolf did the entire night. Because <laughs> I, I think that was a central theme of the evening is it was complete chaos. During he, that, let, there, he let Ted Cruz walk all over him. Like, Ted Cruz would stop him like, Wolf, Wolf, listen, I need to respond to this. I need to talk. Wolf would just be like, okay. No, well, no, he would say no like three times and he'd be like, okay. <laughs> Like yeah. as long as Ted asked him enough times, then he would give in. It was a pathetic job, Wolf. Come oh, on, it was I awful. It. it was like it was like seriously he's watching like a referee just run around the stage WWE, and then just, just Ted she's just hitting him with chairs. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, this is like a no holds barred match in WWE where the ref just kind of throws up his arms and gives yeah, up. He's passed. There was one point time. between like Rubio and Trump where I thought that they were might, might actually get in a fight. It was getting crazy. I yeah, they kept going that. back and forth. There's like, it was like, oh, you're repeating yourself. You're repeating yourself. And then Donald's like, no, you repeat yourself. Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> yep. That was a great moment. But you know what? Hey, can we give a quick round of applause uh, to Ben Carson for defeating his biggest nemesis of the night, which, of course, is the curtains at the side of the stage? He, he didn't know to walk all the way out to the <laughs> stage. Uh, and the stage was the place to, that they were holding the debate. So yeah, good job, Ben. Congratulations, Do you guys think ben. this will be the last time we see uh, Dr. Carson at the debates? Did we really even see him tonight? What did he barely. talk for, like 40 seconds? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah he barely got any time. But, you, you know, he didn't really deserve any time. Yeah, no. true. Well, he did that. He had that long diatribe where he was like, you know, I never get to speak. So I'm going to say all my points all at once in one run-on sentence. <laughs> That's basically what he did, though. Like, the last four topics they discussed that he didn't get to input on, he just basically said all his positions on them all at once. I love it. You know, I want every candidate to do that. Just think how short yeah, these debates would be. Would be half great. an hour. Done. Great. I, I didn't like when uh, he did the whining about him not getting any time and all that crap. Like, that's that just makes you look weak and bad. True. I mean, that was well, a Jeb Bush strategy. Excuse me. They mentioned my name. I get clap. to talk, right? <laughs> I yeah. did like that time when he was like, will someone please attack me? I oh, thought that, that was, was funny. hilarious. When that he said was that. funny. I mean, I want at the end of this, I want to ask who had the line of the night, and I'll throw out some candidates. But that was definitely up there for uh, for one of the lines of the night. Shouldn't someone have said like, if we attack you, does that mean you're going to stab us? That would have been a good comment. That right? would have been amazing. Or, or attack us with a hammer? Didn't he? <laughs> oh yeah, that's what he did. I, I forgot exactly what he did. <laughs> oh no, he did both. He tried to stab a guy. It got blocked by the belt buckle, and he tried to hit his mother in the head with a hammer. <laughs> But those healing hands of his, when they're not hurting, they're healing. Hilarious. <laughs> That's all you can hope for. Well, you know what? I, at least there was a doctor in the room during the debate tonight because it was, this had to be the longest amount of time a debate went on without a commercial break so people could go to the bathroom. Like, I swear to God, I thought I was going to die. And at least yeah. four people in the audience had to have had bladders explode during that debate. I'm not yeah, sure why you My old man bladder, I can't go for over an hour anymore. I just went to the bathroom when I had to. I don't know why you were not doing that. 
but I have a responsibility to the people, man. I'm hosting this thing. This is a, a huge responsibility. There's tens of people listening to this. Well, let me recap. Um, the first hour, immigration. Yeah. That's all. So, oh, let's hey, let's speak, talk about it. Let's, speaking let's, of the, the, the tens of people listening to this, I don't know. This, I think, was probably my uh, line of the night. What was the guy's name? Hugh Hewitt or whatever? Yeah. He was criticizing Trump for something. Hey, and save like, your well, line you of the night for the end when I ask uh, about the right, line right, of the night. Right. I'm not, I'm not okay. Wolf Blitzer up here. You can't just trot all over this show. I'm running this show. All right. All right. You will <laughs> obey. All right, let's talk. Let's talk immigration. Um, how about this? Starting off, I got a, a few points that I want to make about it. But just overall, what would you guys say? Like, whose platform do you like best? And Howie, I'll let you go first. Who do you think's best on immigration? To, depending on what they said on this debate. Um, I think maybe Kasich because he's at least not for rounding everybody up, kicking people out. Like, I really don't think the illegal immigration is that huge of an issue that they're trying to make it out to be. I mean, I mean, I don't, I don't want terrorists and murderers coming here either, but that's the, such a small, small minority. I, I think I have a traditional libertarian uh, position where I want, you know, peaceful people to be able to cross borders freely. Like, you know, you should be able to go and live and work wherever you want. It, yeah. it shouldn't be so hard to get to come in here. I agree. I mean, of course, Trump would say that, uh, you know, the rapists and the murders are coming across. Yeah. I mean, I do think we need to know who's coming in. So if it was, if the process wasn't such a pain in the ass, perhaps more people would come legally. And I mean, we just, you know, run through, are they in the terrorist database or are they, have they been like charged with murder in their country of uh, record? Like if not come on in and work, it's, they don't take people's job. It's not like a zero sum game. Like we can create more and do more. I don't know. I'm all for people that want to, live in America and make better lives for themselves coming. Right. So you're I, I don't cases. see this. Yeah. I do for some reason, I do want to have the wall. I think of it as like the wall in the North and game of Thrones. It just seems so cool. If we could have like a night's watch or a Trump watch. I don't so know. Just purely for entertainment value. You purely want a wall on our Southern border, not for like practicality <laughs> or anything. No, I want the wall, but then still let people come in. <laughs> That's fair enough. Yeah. What about your JV? What's your, uh, what's your take? I'd have to agree with um, Howie with this. I think Kasich and Carson pretty much were in line with each other. Kasich basically said, and this is true, this is ridiculous, ludicrous, I think he said, to suggest we're going to deport 11 million people. That's more people that live than live in Portugal or Belgium <laughs> or Dominican Republic. You're talking about deporting a nation's worth of people out of the United States. It's yeah. impossible. Excellent point. It's it, not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. The, the cost alone. I mean, I think we're all. I, I also am on on Team Kasich. Rico, do you have any uh, any other any other well, candidates I, you'd like to back? No, I think Kasich was obviously the most reasonable one. The interesting thing I kind of thought was that Trump somehow wasn't the most ridiculous one, and I don't agree with his plan at all. But Cruz seemed even worse because <laughs> Trump at least said, "Well, the good ones." However vaguely he'll define that one can come back Cruz is just like nah they're all gone and if they have kids here oh well it's, it basically sounded like a, the two-year-old gets to stay and all his family's <laughs> gone 
just rolls and, around the dirt. Go ahead, baby. Fend for yourself. Okay. That's a great solution, Tad. Uh, and, but, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand how that's like a Christian position to be like, the hell with those people. They're out and they can never come back. You can't be free. Oh, you broke a law. You can never be forgiven. You're out for good. It's too bad there's but, not somebody ballsing up on stage that's like, you know, atheist or whatever that can call them out on that kind of hypocrisy. I mean, I, I'm not an evangelical. I was raised Catholic, but in, in the Catholic Church, like you sin and then you like repent and you're forgiven. I guess not in Ted Cruz's faith. Yeah. Well, you know what? I, there's some hypocrisy too. I thought with uh, Rubio because he was he was talking about the executive order Obama put through giving amnesty. Obviously, it centered around the same topic of babies that are uh, you know anchor babies as they call them. Uh, if you're not PC, but- well, no, th- those weren't anchor babies. So those were illegal children who came they're born someplace else but they oh, came they were bro- so oh yeah young okay sorry I, that, like the united states is the only country they basically have ever lived in like all if, right my my like, mistake but he was basically against the executive order uh that obama said you know saying that that they were forgiven and uh i just thought it was hilarious so because he's lambasting executive orders which i also hate but then i thought to myself you know what rubio's so bloodthirsty you know, when it comes to war in the Middle East and building up the military and yada, yada, yada. I'm like, do you think he would have Congress declare war? Because I doubt he would. I'm, a, I'm almost 99.9% positive he would just go ahead, use his executive privilege as president to go ahead and start some wars under there. Yeah, all of these guys, they, they don't like executive actions when it's Democrats doing it. And it's, I guarantee you, they would all do the same thing for their neocon hawkish reasons. And it's... The only person I would believe on something like this is Rand because he's the only one who's proven consistently that he sticks to principles for the most part. But like, I don't believe any of this follow the Constitution nonsense they talk about. Yeah, it's just that they like to reference it just like they like to reference Ronald Reagan. It's a thing. It's a thing to toss out there, but it's what it doesn't serve their purposes. It's a moot point. Uh, by the way, I want to mention before we move on from immigration that. The, the moderator, and I, I don't know her name because they said it at the beginning and I missed it. And I don't think they ever showed it again underneath. But the, the moderator that must have been from Telemundo was the worst. I, awesome. I, I mean, dumbest questions I've ever seen asked in a debate. This meaningless. I know she's trying to play up to the Hispanics that are, that are watching. But it was like, just, hey, uh, you know, Hispanics don't like you. What do you think about that? It's like, <laughs> okay. Uh you're like, what are you, how are you supposed to respond to that? Uh, I don't know. Well, they probably they do like like Trump was like they do like hey. they love me they love me the Hispanics and then he was like hey you know, the GOP should should uh, you know maybe they should go after Hispanics and get Hispanics to vote for them. It's like yeah you know that would be great. What the, what is the point of this stupid question? You know maybe the Hispanics that hate Trump are the ones that can't vote because they're here illegally anyways. I, I bet you like <laughs> if you came here illegally and had to jump through ten thousand hoops to do it and you went through all that you're not gonna want other people to be able to just not have to go through I'm willing to bet that most um, immigrants who came here legally, or not most, but a a fair percentage have some kind of connection to someone here illegally, be it a friend or another family member, someone in there, you know, that goes to their church. Uh, I think it's kind of naive to think that, you know, just because you're here, uh, you went through the legal process doesn't mean or, or that means that you're going to automatically support get everyone else out. I, I think that's ignoring probably the real world. Well, I can speak from experience. You guys know I'm a first generation American. So I was born here, but my family wasn't at least the other generation. And my girlfriend is actually an immigrant from Turkey on top of it. And neither of those two groups are particularly fond of 
illegal immigration exactly for the reason that Howie mentioned. It took a hell of a lot of time, effort, and money for my girlfriend to come here from Turkey and stay here legally. And to think that anyone can just waltz in and do whatever they want and get away scot-free from it and get amnesty doesn't sit very well with her. And, and, I, and I understand perfectly why it wouldn't because it was hard for her to get over here. And she didn't know anyone. She had no friends here, no family here. Don't like a lot of people from Mexico to dislike people from Puerto Rico because they it's so easy for them. They get all the benefits of being a state, even though like they're not. And it's like, oh, when you, to come from Mexico is so hard. But well, they should have let us take us take them over in the Mexican American war. And <laughs> Very then they good have to worry point, about it. JB. What do you want me to say to that? <laughs> you got you got my vote. So and Puerto Rico is part of the United States as <laughs> of the end of the Spanish American War, so they're American citizens. As simple as that. You are not. <laughs> History professor that. Lubin. Yeah, yeah. way to go. But you're. I, gonna- I'm just saying, when one group has to do something difficult and someone else doesn't, it'll oftentimes breeds resentment. And so I, I, he very well may have a lot of Hispanic support from voting uh, yeah. people. No, the, the polls. There have been polls that have showed that a lot of a lot of people that are you know from doesn't matter what country you're from. Yeah, you pretty much resent anybody that's just getting it for for free when you had to go through it. So it's no, like it's when you true. put. Well, it's like when you guys pledged fraternity and you had it so much easier than me and Mark. It was like, <laughs> oh, please, uh, uh, gonna, uh, we don't need to get into this. Uh, and, and, Rico. When, and don't worry, you know, as Rico mentioned in our live blog, we're going to go to Trump University. And as I suggested, we'll start a fraternity there. You know, we'll, we'll spell out his name and uh, in Greek letters and it'll be fantastic. And then we'll all be pledging on equal frames, equal terms. Where is Trump University? Do we have to move somewhere? Is it like an online school? It resides in the hearts and minds <laughs> of, <laughs> of very uh, angry Americans. That's where our Trump. Did anyone is. ever hear of this before the debate? Trump University. This is the first time I've ever heard of it. It probably has to be tied in with the Apprentice or something like that, where you know he launched it so that people could see, oh, how well he's mentoring people, and then they get an education and how to be a Trump. <laughs> people borrow thirty six thousand. I just googled it. There are people that borrow thirty six thousand dollars to go to Trump University. Just to be told Why that they should have had a very rich that? father. Is it accredited? <laughs> I. I don't know. I'd have to look more into it. Uh, $36. I'm borrowing a dollar to go to Trump University. It seems like a bad plan. <laughs> Maybe a Trump's education plan can be just let everyone attend Trump University for free. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Bernie. Touche. Take that, Sanders. <laughs> uh, let's move on. Let's move on from immigration. Um, how about we segue into... Religion. They spent a lot of time talking about religion and religious rights, especially you know, I, it comes up with uh, everybody likes to talk about how Israel is our greatest ally, which drives me up a frickin wall. But I mean, does anybody have a good take as far as religious liberties? I know I, I have one guy in mind who does. But what do you guys think? Does anybody out there actually have a take that libertarians can get behind where it comes to, you know, religious freedom? What are they talking about when they're talking about religious freedom? I'm confused because it seems like they're talking about their religion should yeah. be able to do whatever you know they want to do. But if they don't agree with someone else's religion, well, you know, the first religion uh, trumps the you know the other one, the, the outside religion. Right. I, they never really kind of got into that, but that's my you, you nailed it. I think everyone on that stage is awful on this issue. When they say religious liberty, they're specifically talking about one aspect of it is that the freedom to discriminate based on your religion. 
precisely. That's, 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 the, that's the question. That's the topic they all answered on. Not freedom from religion, which I'm a strong proponent of. <laughs> freedom to discriminate on others based on your faith. And I this is it. what pretty much everyone on stage was perfectly okay with. It was in the news the other day. Kasich like wants to start a government organization to spread Christ- Judeo-Christian like values. And see what's crazy about that though is Kasich was the one guy on stage who actually had a good comment on it. And this is yeah, I get him. It's going to be coming around to like comment of the night, but it comes into play here. Is that he said? You know, it, when it comes to actually running a business and discriminating, he said, you know what? Don't do that. You run a business, conduct commerce. Say a prayer for them later and hope that they change their behavior. But otherwise, what the hell are you doing? Don't you know? You don't tell them they can't come in and have a cookie. Which I thought, well, yeah, that's a a better yeah. take than anybody else on stage. Well, Definitely. I think, I think yeah. they're missing the point though. In the point that you, yeah, you should be able to discriminate if you if you have a business and you don't want to serve gay people or black people or women. I mean, that's your right to to not serve them. But the market will say, okay, well. A different business that's going to come into the area that's going to serve, you know, gay people or women or blacks, and and that business is going to put your bigoted business out of, you know, out of business. And that's the better answer than having government involvement. Precisely, in especially the age of social media. I mean, Yelp's out there. Yelp has destroyed many a yeah. business for being biased, for being, uh, you know, prejudiced against certain people. Yeah, if you want to be bigoted, go ahead, and you're going to be out of business soon, and and good riddance. There you go. I do think that the government should not be able to discriminate, though, because they represent us all and should not. I mean, I I think that's, yeah, that's already. But I'm totally with you. Private people should be able to do what they want if they want to be assholes and bigots. I'm not going to their place. If they don't want to hire the best workers because of race or religion or sexual orientation, good, because I'll hire them. Yeah, yeah, there's already the 14th Amendment is equal protection. So that's deals with the government or, uh, yeah, a government agency discriminating. Yeah, that's obviously unconstitutional. But right. if you're a private person, go ahead and, and be a dinosaur and, you know, go extinct. That seems to be the answer. But I think I don't know what they were. You know, their main point was probably there shouldn't be gay marriage or, you know, abortions, you know, shouldn't be legal. I think that's pretty much what they were talking about. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. That going was, that into, was the note yeah. Which, and I think, it, did anybody say that the government shouldn't be involved in enforcing it? It might've been Kasich again. What he said was, I think he, well, I think he said that, um, he didn't really believe in, in gay marriage, but the courts have ruled on it. So let's move on. Yeah, that's yeah I think he said exactly he didn't he believe said. in it, but if someone he knew was gay and they're getting married, he'd go to be nice. But and even Dick Cheney, like, <laughs> well, his daughter was a lesbian too, I think, right? And she got married. And um, yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, I like a lot of stuff that Trump says, but his like anti-gay marriage, I'm going to turn that back as my, soon as I'm president. Like, how is he going to do that? I don't understand. I don't. I feel like he doesn't really believe it or mean that. But who knows? I mean, I guess you got to take him at the word. Like. Well, he also says that he's, you know, very pro-life, but I, and he has, I, he's been a supporter of Planned Parenthood, and I don't believe that either. I, I agree. I think he's probably pro, uh, pro-women's rights and pro-choice, which, of course, he, I am also. He said uh, some good stuff about Planned Parenthood, actually, recently, saying that they do a lot to help a lot of women. Right, yeah. He said, as far tonight, as yeah, he said that in the debate. And then he, he followed up with, well, we should still defund it. Right, yeah, so, which is ridiculous. And then how about... How about Ted Cruz then vowing and his final closing statements that, you know, vowing to prosecute 
uh, Planned Parenthood, which uh. meanwhile, anybody that knows anything about the government trying to prosecute anything, like, look at the steroid scandal. It because it's cost so many millions of dollars. It'll probably cost us more to prosecute Planned Parenthood than it would yeah. just keep on paying them five hundred million a year. It's ridiculous, and that's such a small, small, small amount of money from what like the government's budget. It's come on, let's fix the real problem. Let's stop arguing about all this shit that doesn't really matter that much. That's all they did today was argue about shit that doesn't really right. matter. Like if you want to talk about money problems, let's talk about how much we're spending on these occupations in foreign nations, all the wars we're getting involved with. Let's talk about how untenable like the social security system is and all the, the uh, what's it called when there's all the things we're going to have to pay for, but it's not like uh, really budgeted for unfunded liabilities. Oh, yeah. Or something. yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that stuff, the things, the Social Security, the Medicare, Medicaid, things that if you even mention it, seniors go crazy and you, you don't get elected. Like, that's the stuff that's got to be tackled. These other, like, it's p- p- Planned Parenthood is like a fraction of a penny in comparison. Yeah. It's, it's, well, that, that was kind of goes along with what Trump was saying, where he said, oh, I'll uh, eliminate the Department of Education and whatever other, you know, kind of small. Yeah, the EPA. Yeah. Like, that's going to balance the budget. Like, oh, yeah, okay. and then he doesn't well, bring up the fact that he wants – Trump's the only guy on stage that really wants to avoid getting in these massive conflicts in the Middle East, yeah. even though he still wants to build up the military, which doesn't make any sense. Why are we building up the military if we're not going to use it anyway? But he you – know, it's like you know, if he, if he really wants to tell how he's going to pay for all these tax cuts, uh, talk about how you're not going to go to wars anymore. You're saving billions upon billions every day. Yeah. It's Trump of the Republicans left. Trump has the best foreign policy. He said a couple things that are totally contrary to what he usually says. But it's then again, it's like, when is he telling the truth? When does he really seems to be for not getting involved in things? And, uh, you know, a, a lot of times dictators better than letting radical Islamist rebels take over. And it's not in America's interest to destabilize all these places. That seems to me to be what he believes. He'll. The other times when he does say things about, oh, I'm going to go and do this, it just sounds like he's trying to have that like tough guy persona, which sells. It is working. I mean, I, I really think that's just it to get the votes and win. The same thing with these super conservative ideals that are like a new thing to him, like the pro-life, the you know anti-gay, all this, this. He did say this years ago. I think this is just, he's like, I know how to get Republicans to vote for me. I need to say this stuff. Right. But You know, but speaking of that, I thought he did something that was incredibly bold not even just for a republican candidate but for anyone in american public office he pretty much said we were better off with saddam hussein in office yeah now how many other people you think on that stage would say something like that just out loud and very direct he said we were better off with gaddafi we were better off with hussein than we are now yeah now that rand paul's gone nobody's gonna say that and it's exactly right because saddam people don't realize like saddam was a horrible cruel guy and he was like you know he trapes around. He like lopping off people's ears, and you know it's like if you cross him, he kill you, he'd kill your family, he'd tear your dog's legs off, shove him up your wife's ass. You know all sorts of horrible things. But it was highly effective. You got to give so him credit for that. Called. Very effective, so and the terrorists and, and did not want to mess that, with them. And on top of that, nothing has really changed in that region. People are those things are still happening now. ISIS is doing them. It's so worse. really, how yeah. is that any better? Right. And, I'm but so ISIS glad is an called Jeb out too. Yeah. When Jeb keeps being like, oh, my brother kept us safe. No, he didn't. The largest attack in my lifetime happened under your brother's watch. He did not keep us safe. Right. And the why did it happen? Because of all the interference America. in the Middle East. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? He was, Trump was like the first person to actually come out and say, no, he 
like dropped the ball and they, you know, there was some information that an attack might be coming and they didn't stop it. Yeah. What about when Rubio said, well, the U.S. didn't really have any involvement in uh, Gaddafi's overthrow? It's bullshit. There was no one on the ground there kind of inciting or, or helping out with that situation. I don't believe that for a second. I like that it's just a picture of a little U.S. soldier dressed in all white and a little U.S. soldier dressed in red sitting on the, the shoulders of these rebels like, hey, go ahead. Yeah. Take him out. Yeah. You know you want to do it. And the other guy's like, don't do it. You'll destabilize the region. <laughs> <laughs> do it. <laughs> Family guy's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, no, exactly. It's like, come on. It, it, there's always these guys doing ops, you know, undercover. These they call them something different, though. I'm trying to remember what the name is. I may recall what they call them. They're not operatives, but they have a code name for them. It's like uh, you know, assistants or something. They send them over, and they they claim the soldiers are pulled out, but they leave these these special people there in the hundreds. And of course, they're just like you know, black ops guys training people and doing covert measures, right? Yeah, yeah, it's the whole foreign. I, K, John Kasich really betrayed me tonight. At the last debate, after the last debate, he had said he was against regime change. It took a very similar stance to Donald Trump when it when it came to the Middle East. He had said, you know, we if we get involved with regime change, all it does is destabilize the region, and look what happened with Iraq. So he was on that same train, and then I was, you know, singing his praises. Go Kasich. Oh, maybe he's up up and coming. Maybe he's uh, the new libertarian darling. What an asshole I have been. Because yeah. tonight, uh, the topic of North Korea came up, and he's all about it. All about it. Do you guys remember what he said? Oh, he's all about it. I thought he said, it. well, it depends on the circumstances, which is definitely well, no, But him just saying, I am for regime change in North Korea, to Kim Jong-un, that's them's fighting words. That's like an act of war, just going out and publicly announcing and saying that, that you want to depose him and remove him from power. Yeah, and he that's wants like, to embargo, he wants to put like a, I mean, he basically said he wants to stop their ships from going through. I mean, that's a, basically picking a naval blockade, which is an act of yeah. war. That is an act Ron, of war. Ron Paul, always, Ron Paul has said, you know, sanctions are like acts of war. They always end up leading to it. It's just these antagonizing things. And, right. And he's, you know, it's, it's just, it, there's no way that you can say, I mean, you can't say, oh, well, I'm against regime change in one area, but I'm totally for it in another area. Because again, there's all these unintended consequences that come from that. You can't just pick and choose, you know, and say where you're going to selectively apply things. It's kind of like looking at rights and liberties. People like to selectively apply. Okay, we'll apply the Constitution here. We'll let it go there. Like when it comes to detaining people indefinitely and Guantanamo Bay. But you can't do the same thing with regime change where you're just kind of saying, I'll use it here and I won't use it there. It depends on the situation because it always is going to be bad. Like there's no situation where it hasn't ended badly. Did Trump saying that, like, not only am I going to be neutral in Israel, but we shouldn't be paying for the defense of South Korea and Japan and Germany, all these places. It makes me I want to go out and vote for him in the primaries. I mean, come general election, I'm going to vote for the libertarian candidate, I'm sure. But well, he didn't talk about defunding (laughs) Israel, though. Or in addition to no. I mean, he, he said he would be neutral, but he's not saying, you know, let's pull right. our, our booby out of the mouth and let them fend how, for themselves. How ridiculous was Rubio with the, the statement that, well, the Palestinians are teaching their four year old kids to, to uh, you know, shoot the military in Israel or, or whatever it was that he said. Oh, to like, hate Jews, I think. He like said every. Yeah. Every Palestinian is just. um training their kid to be a terrorist beyond absurd 
there's a, there's atrocities on both sides there. It's like no no one's neither side has clean hands. Yeah, and exactly. And also, I mean, look, when it comes down to brass tacks, they've made a lot of pacts where Israel's not supposed to keep expanding the colonization of the Gaza Strip and building these settlements, but they keep doing it. They keep making pacts and they keep breaking yeah. them. So really, I mean, I'm sorry, the, a lot of the blame is on Israel. And when you look at the situation, just the amount of like weaponry they have, the effectiveness of their weaponry, it's like Palestinians attacking Israel's. It would be like if you're going up to somebody's house and egging it, and then that person in the house responded with a Gatling gun and just mowed down, you know, you and all your friends. It's like 10 times the deaths on that side. So, uh, you know, it's just that the media plays it up. And APAC is such a powerful group, you know, group in the U.S., uh, both in funding and in just political power, where it gets skewed so heavily as far as the narrative being told. And it's really, I mean, it's 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 kind of sad. I'm not saying that Pakistan or the Palestinians are right necessarily in everything they're doing, but we're not getting the full story. I don't, I personally, Brian, I don't think that's fair because regardless of like who has the better weapons, if, this, if, if we were put in that position and, for example, Canada managed to kill maybe five or six thousand American citizens and were able to like destroy Toronto in 20 minutes doesn't mean they should be able to do it and get away with it it has nothing to do with you know firepower well as far I think as it defending does defending your people how no, many how JB, many dead Israelis are okay before they're allowed to retaliate JB, if you look up the stats for the deaths and the and the amount of injuries that have been caused by Palestinians attacking Israelis it is like like 10 people I mean, it's they hardly ever do any damage. They hardly kill anybody. That's exactly my point. What the is response- the threshold? How many people do you have to wait to die before you can do something? Well, I'm not saying that you necessarily have to wait for 25 people to die, but the attacks coming over are just they're so minuscule. And the response from Israel is overwhelming, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't dis- do anything. It's dis- not deterring dis- anything. The disproportional response is just immoral. Right. It's it's I just mean- wrong to react that would kill so many people and cause so much destruction and ruin so many lives for something much smaller. And it's, and it's also, it's not that they're not attacking the government. The, the people that are attacking Israel aren't necessarily the government half the time either. So, you know, you're just mowing down a lot of innocent people. The people they're killing are not the people that are attacking them anyway. They're dropping bombs and they're killing up, you know, they're killing women and children and tons of innocents. They're not even getting the people that they want to be killing. So it's just a it's a wasted effort that's causing a ton of loss of life and, and uh, perpetuating, you know, yeah. bad feelings, to put so, it mildly. So what do you think is the alternative to that? Well, one alternative would be for Israel to stop expanding. Um, that's one that's one opinion. But I mean, look, if they, they there's going to be a peace eventually just because, you know, they can't. Well, maybe there won't. Maybe they'll just fight forever. But I, I mean, I think a, a solution is just simply that both respect their borders, have, maybe open up trade, stop having embargoes to that region so that people can actually survive and make a decent living. And once people's you know means of living starts to raise, they have a lot less incentive to start whipping grenades at people because they have a lot more incentive to live. They don't want their kids to die. That's true. So, I mean, that's my take on it. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, well, speaking of in- embargoes to kind of change the subject a little bit, does anyone else just kind of roll their eyes when when Trump is going at the uh, talking about the Chinese and the Mexican trade imbalance and, and how he's going to you know start a trade war? 
yeah, that doesn't really help anything because then people people in the United States lose with a trade war. You can't just say, well, we're going to um, put a tariff on everything from China or Mexico because then everyone in the United States is paying more money for those products that they got for 25% less or 50% less. Yeah. And plus to talk about China manipulating its currency is the ultimate hypocrisy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how anyone else doesn't just say, what the hell are you talking about? You know, the Federal Reserve does this on a daily basis. And the only reason our dollar hasn't collapsed is probably because China's buying our treasury bonds. Yeah, still, exactly. so. It's just because it's the reserve currency of the world. And as soon as that's gone, which, you know, like Russia and China and Brazil are already talking about changing over to the yuan or the, uh, the Chinese renminbi, then as soon as that happens, yeah, the dollar's done, man. Start wiping your ass with it. Well, I don't there. I don't think it'll be done because, you know, China has too much invested in our dollar to to want to see it collapse, com, you know, completely. But you can't just start a trade war and say, oh, that's going to everything's going to be made better by doing this. It's such a simplistic argument that just doesn't hold up at all. <laughs> didn't, didn't I mean, he's never line. called on it. Well, didn't you have a line about Trump wanting to start a trade war to have Mexico pay for the wall he wants to build? <laughs> Yeah, I heard, I heard part of the way he was going to pay for it is just withholding the money that we give to Mexico and all that kind of stuff. You mean which, like federal uh, aid? They, which they can't really do anything about not paying if we do it that way. Does anyone think this wall is actually going to do a damn thing? No. no. <laughs> if El Chapo can build a tunnel out of prison, I'm sure we can build a, they can build a There's tunnel under the wall. Probably hundreds of tunnels under the border already. Yeah, I still want the wall, though. Well, what's going to be funny is when they build the wall and then because of all the tunnels under the wall, the wall just collapses down into the tunnels. <laughs> it just ends up being total rubble. <laughs> and then they must climb over it. What was uh, this wall with Canada business that happened towards the end? I started getting a little dozy, so I didn't really oh, pick up what was going on there. But the Univision was woman was, a wall with Canada as well. The Univision woman was claiming that more terrorists and criminals come through the Canadian border. And why doesn't he want to build a wall up there? And Trump's just like, well, first of all, that's like four times the size that border, and I don't believe that the, the problems worse up there. Yeah. He's like, you could, okay. it's like you could quote whatever stats you want, but I don't believe it. He had a funny <laughs> line though. He's like, at some point, he was like, "We're gonna build a wall in Canada, and Canada's gonna pay for it." <laughs> yeah, he did say that. That's when I was just like, "What?" It woke me out of my stupor. Like, oh my god, I totally zoned out and missed that part. <laughs> oh, that was that was a pretty funny line he had. <laughs> wow. I could just uh, I just imagine like hundreds of Mexicans running up to like a wall in the middle of nowhere with a twelve foot ladder and just <laughs> climbing right on over. Um, well, it's impossible to police. I mean, it's still impossible to police it. Yeah, I, unless you're just you spending gonna, millions and millions of dollars every day on it, on top of the expense of building the wall, which is crazy. Well, Mexico, uh, Mexico of- would be Mexico would be such. So much nicer if we didn't have our drug war like ruining their carnation. Like, fix that problem, and no one's gonna want to come here. Yeah, which Trump's the only one really yelling about the drug war. Do you notice that tonight? Nobody else well, even touched on it at all. He he wasn't. He wasn't. To me, it didn't sound like the drug war. He was just saying like, "There's a huge heroin problem." Which, well, yes, there is. He wasn't saying. I don't know. He's not like, we got to well, throw people in jail. We got to do this and that. He's even like, he's for medical marijuana. He's for maybe limited, you know, personal use. He's like, he's, ne- he's definitely like outside of Bernie Sanders with who's left in the best on drugs. But he does harp on that crap about like, 
but it's true. There's a huge heroin problem in New Hampshire. And you know what? States that legalize marijuana, their opioid problems go way down. Oh, of course. So, you well, know, I mean, these problems come from, I mean, Rico, you work with a lot of disability uh, legal cases, but a lot of these, you know, these people get put on painkillers, like powerful opiates. Yeah. And when those opiates run out, where do they turn? Heroin. Because yeah. it's so, much yeah. cheaper and it's much easier to find than buying pills on the street, which are a lot more expensive and more difficult to Do- obtain. Doctors prescribe pain medication way, way, way too much. It's irresponsible behavior. I, I don't know why they would do it uh, other than to probably just get the patients off their back. But it, it's not helping anything. And uh, people get hooked. Yeah, and it, exactly. It goes badly. Vermont's Senate today voted to legalize marijuana, but their house, the, I don't know if they're going to go for it. They're complaining about their huge drug problem there with heroin and opi- opioids. They're like, do we really want another drug problem? Where the facts are, it will help you with that other problem. It'll, you know, you get some people smoking weed and they won't be doing dangerous drugs anymore. Well, and it's not even considered a gateway drug anymore by the most prolific organization to fight drugs that any of us had in our youth, dare. <laughs> dare. It's no longer listed as a gateway drug. They, they took it off. It's no longer a gateway drug. Even Dare has come around, man, with that sweet ass logo. Man, hey, actually, logo? Mothers Against Drunk Driving called here one night trying to. I don't know what they wanted me to they sign. They called something. you personally. They're like, "Hey, stay off the road, drunkie." Yeah, they, they, they wanted every night. Wanted their nightly money. call to Howie. <laughs> they wanted some. They wanted my support. But anyways, I started arguing with them about how ridiculous it is that marijuana is illegal and that it's a lot safer. And they're like, you know what? You're right. We totally agree with you. I was like, really? I'm still not supporting you on this drunk driving stuff, but okay. <laughs> how he's winning over Mothers Against Drunk Driving on the uh, the marijuana war one solicitor at a time. Good job. Keep up the good fight. They're like, we weren't expecting this response to our call. Uh, it, are there, well, is there such a thing as a gateway drug now? Because I'm not aware of any other gateway. alcohol? Well, like we just talked about, prescribed painkillers. That is the gateway drug. I guess so, yeah. I think that's the most sensible use of the term I've ever heard. I used to think the term gateway drug was complete horseshit. But the prescription pill, getting on that and then getting it cut off and then needing that fix, I think that's probably the most appropriate use of the term gateway drug that I've ever heard. Yeah. And of course, it's illegal because they've been prescribed. Oh, and yeah. how about the fact that the best cure for opioid addiction, aboga or ibogaine, is illegal in the U.S.? Yeah, that's but right. But it's super effective, and it's legal in Canada and Mexico. Is the U.K. So Canada, because Canada, since they have uh, you know socialized healthcare, they can't afford to have people hooked on heroin. So they're like, we're going to use an effective treatment to get them off of it. Yeah, you know, the U.S. just likes to ignore it or uh, throw them in jail, where then they die of withdrawal. Yeah, it's disgusting. Well, while we're talking healthcare, this is a, a perfect time to segue into a little bit of healthcare talk. Of course, everybody's against Obamacare. We, you know, we don't need to go too deep into that. But a couple of people had very interesting ideas about what to do with healthcare. Uh, Donald Trump, of course, said that they were going to uh, have doctors, doctors uh, at hospitals are going to take these people, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna work out, and it. it's gonna be a good price. That was basically. Are you being Bernie Sanders? Or I don't know. I don't. I don't do a good Donald Trump. I think yeah. we can all agree on that. Yeah. I might have let everyone down with my hosting duties and my lack of practicing <laughs> a Donald Trump impression leading into this. <laughs> but 
uh, screw Trump anyway on this. He, he, he had nothing interesting to say is my point. He, he just did his kind of his typical thing of promising something without any backup. But there were two people that had very interesting takes, one of which uh, our very own Rico pretty much laid out the plan, which was then voiced seconds later. So, Rico, tell us a little bit about that. Well, I, I don't know if it's really a plan, but my thought is if you're worried about pre-existing conditions and that does jack up the premiums of everyone quite a bit, but I don't know how many you know people are really affected by the pre-existing conditions where it couldn't be solved by just expanding Medicare to cover certain pre-existing conditions that would otherwise jack up the rates of everyone. So if Medicare is covering you know, these conditions, um, you know, certainly the tax burden of the general population is going to go up slightly. But when you compare what the most people's insurance premiums have gone up, right, like 40 100 percent, whatever the case may be, it seems like if you're paying an extra $5 a year in t- federal taxes to cover, you know, the, the Medicare or someone with a pre-existing condition – it's it's a wash. So I, I think it, that problem could be easily solved by that. Now, it's not a very libertarian solution, but it just seems to me to be pretty straightforward and easily done. Yeah, it's. I mean, it is, to your point, it's not a very libertarian solution, but it is one that if you look at all the available options, I would say I probably support if it was going to knock out, you know, all the if it was going to get rid of Obamacare and if it was going to get healthcare premiums way down again to the point where you don't need to have these exorbitant fees covering everybody else. It's not a solution I would necessarily oppose. Maybe morally uh, or, or uh, you know, theoretically, I'd oppose it, but it's not a bad idea. And uh, and tell us who kind of ponied off that idea. Well, it seemed like Kasich five minutes later talked about how, and I, I guess this is true. I don't know. I don't really follow Ohio politics that much, <laughs> but you know, Medicaid, the, the state-run kind of insurance program, is starting is will start to cover certain pre-existing conditions in Ohio. That was my kind of take on what he said, and, and then he talked about other things where if doctors keep their treatment costs under a certain threshold that Ohio would, would pay them, which that kind of seems like, a, you know, an unnecessary point. Um, well, I can understand you're, you're the, in- the perspective there. I think he's coming from is that so many doctors nowadays, they go out of their way to do like, it's all about not getting sued. So they go out of their way to do all these crazy amount of tests. And that's what really jacks up the costs of a lot of insurance and a lot of payments. So maybe that's that's what he's enticing to say, you know, just do the ones that you think are really necessary and we'll pay you more money in exchange. I still don't support the idea, but I think that's probably where it's coming from. I think that kind of gets into government control of, you know, a person's uh, medical treatment because yeah, the doctor is worried about like, yeah, well, I, well, I don't know if I want to order a CT scan of your head just because you come in here with headaches every day because maybe you're just making it up or, you know, they're worried about the cost. Well, their first kind of duty is, should always be to the patient. Right. Well, and also <laughs> now they're kind of jockeying to see, OK, how much money, how much can I save to get more government cash coming my way? Exactly. Yeah. I don't I don't know the answer to healthcare, but one thing that I do know is the prices of every single thing that I buy just keep going down except for the two things the government subsidizes, healthcare and education. Yeah. Those two <laughs> things keep getting more and more expensive. Everything else, whether it be computers, TVs, phones, anything, it's just the prices just go down. 
it's so, I mean, we could have all these different plans, but I just feel like if the government's got a mess and like, oh, we're going to give them more money if they do it this way, we're going to give them more money if they do it this way. Well, you're just going to make things more expensive. Like you always do by subsidizing it. They're just going to adjust to like, okay, what do we do to get the government's money? How do we get the most from them when it's, people are still not going to be shopping around. They're not going to care. They're, yeah. It's, the thing, the thing about uh, like they're talking about eliminating the state lines so there can be more competition. That, that's yeah, all that's, well that's and good. That's a good idea. Yeah. But how many companies really are in a position to um, kind of compete? It's kind of like the airline industry, it seems to me, where there's like four airlines and they're, they're competing, but they're not really competing because they all have the same prices because well, they know what the other person's charging. So it's all kind of collusion. Yeah. Um, and I don't really, you know, with the amount of, I don't think there's that really that many healthcare companies that could effectively. Well, I mean, hey, man, free market, then you got to hope I, I mean, some other good. healthcare company starts up yeah. and says, hey, we're going to charge you a hell of a lot less and spurs it on. Let's start our own uh, Lions of Liberty Healthcare. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's a good idea, but I don't see the uh, immediate impact that act like it's going to have. Well, it's maybe nothing, there's broken. no harm in doing it and seeing what happens, though. There's no negative I, to come from it. I don't. I don't think so either. It just if that's it, if that's your plan, well, you're not going to be very popular in a few years. I don't see that making a big immediate change. Yeah. What do you? And guys no one think else. Of, no, it I don't know. I was going to say no one else really seemed to have, other than what Kasich said. No one else really had any kind of specifics. Well, Ben Carson I, had a, a what I thought was a fairly interesting idea. I mean, he he kind of went into the personal healthcare savings account. Essentially, he called it something different. He called it like a health empowerment account, which was an odd yeah. phrase. But uh, but he went into a personal savings account, essentially, for healthcare. But he had an interesting idea about how you would then pool it with your relatives to make a sort of, you know, I guess your own little insurance pool among your friends and relatives. And you can transfer your healthcare savings back and forth. Just, and Just one, one more way for the baby boomers to continue to soak us and like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting sick. We need. Can, can we just borrow some of your uh, health empowerment account money? Or, yeah, you know. yeah, I can see that falling apart very quickly. Yeah, I, yeah. I so could I. But I mean, I give him credit for having a novel idea. And but he also put emphasis on then, you know, obviously Obamacare be gone and putting more emphasis on having catastrophic insurance coverage was what he was yes. saying. He's bringing that back, and that way, you know, you're pulling this money and you have this reserve fund where you can pay for catastrophic health care insurance. Am I the only one skeptical that if, like, say, Rubio or, or Cruz happened to be elected president, that Obamacare would really immediately be um, overturned? I, I, yeah. I, I see them hedging once they get in office somehow, well, some way. They've well, got, can, can they, they, they can't unilaterally. The Senate. Right? Uh, well, I, mean, they, I know. I know they can't. Uh, the Republicans control the House and Senate. I understand it. it's going to take everything, but I just – just the way it happens, whenever a conservative gets into office, they don't really become stay conservative. They're they're big right. government like GW. Yeah, yeah I don't. Can think anyone so. think of anything that's ever been repealed the minute yeah. the second party that the other party goes into office? Has anything ever been drastically changed that much? Bill Clinton repealed yeah. off some yeah. clothes on interns. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> No, I can't. Yeah, I, I, no, I'm sure there has been something, but uh, off the top of my head, no. Maybe, no. A, maybe a war. People are like, you know, again, the Vietnam War. Maybe that uh, got repealed quickly. I'm sure Reagan repealed something Jimmy Carter did. <laughs> I wouldn't be Carter, surprised. I'm repealing your popsicle <laughs> subsidies, you tard. 
Uh, is that real, by the way? I need to know. The yeah, I was subsidies? that myself. <laughs> yeah. They probably are. I mean, hell, sugar subsidy, sugars are subsidized. That's a part of a popsicle. Popsicles for humanity. It's like most of a popsicle. P's for H's. That's what they call it for short. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's wrap this up. It's we're getting we're getting a little deep into the uh, the weeds here. So let me let me segue into uh, into closing things out here. Um, who had the line of the night, guys? What do you think? Who had the line of the night? I want to hear number one. Who I, do you think had the line of the night? And if you can remember it, great. And number I, two, who do you think had the best performance? Well, I think my favorite line of the night, I, I don't remember the exact phrase, but when uh, Rubio was going after Trump for employing, <laughs> which was bizarre, apparently he employed illegal Polish workers 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> yeah. And somehow he tried to make a big deal about it, like anyone would really give a shit. And Trump's like, well, you've never employed anyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that was pretty good. That was a drop the mic moment. That was fantastic. Yeah. So uh, who do you I think was, had the best performance tonight? Oh my god, it was I guess Kasich, but because Carson barely was there, and then Rubio, Cruz, and Trump were just involved in this nonstop bickering, talking over each other, complete mess that Wolf allowed to go on. So yeah. I mean, it was just a shit show. Well, and had the I worst think, debate performance. We know that much. What, yeah, Wolf definitely did a, a very poor job. So he needs to step up his game for the next one whenever he's going to host it again. So I guess by process of elimination, I'll, I'll say Kasich. You're right. The foreign policy left a lot to be desired. Quite disappointing. But I think he, he made a couple of reasonable points, which more I can say for really anyone else. Right. He said a bunch of crazy stuff, too, that I've written him off completely. Yeah, Trump, just a bit, because I, of tonight's performance, because yeah. of things he said tonight, I'm like, there's no way I could ever support him. Well, he's gone what back to where I don't about? know what he's actually ever stands on anymore. It's just bizarre. But who you can you support? Are you talking about Kasich? Yeah, Kasich. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say that in my closing statement. Sorry. Well, go for it, <laughs> no, baby. Fine. Go ahead, JB. You're I'll up. Still you're say up. It. Who's got the best line and who uh, who had the best performance? I already I already said my best line at the beginning that I I love Ben Carson's line about pleading someone to attack him so he could have something to say. <laughs> that, so was gonna, that was the most interesting thing Ben Carson has ever said. Yeah. Ever. And Except I for was, my thing I'm going to say later on, but I'm glad he didn't say it. Keep going. <laughs> and I was going to buck the trend. I was going to say who had the best debate. debate. I'm going to say who disappointed me the most. And I would have to go with John Kasich. With his, uh, with his um, North Korea regime change talk, with his... Uh, talking about supporting the rebels in Syria, arming the Ukrainians. He basically said he would lock up Tim Cook in a room and force him to come to a deal with the FBI, whether he wanted to be there or not. Yeah. So he wanted to hold Tim Cook, CEO of Apple, hostage. Yeah, actually, that's like, kidnapping, John. Yeah. <laughs> what he proposed is called kidnapping. Every, like Towards the end, everything he said was ridiculous, and he kind of let me down as the guy who was the, less, the least ridiculous on stage. He's kind of playing up to that now. So he definitely disappointed me the most tonight. Yeah, we were calling him the most reasonable candidate at the beginning of yeah. the debate. And then he slowly diverged into being the craziest person on stage. Clearly, he's not listening to us anymore. Come on. No, Tune well, in. Get, he better get back on it, man. All right, Howie, what do you, what about you? My favorite part was, I, I, I don't know what 
the guy's name was. So was it Hugh Hewitt? Is that his name? Yeah, Hugh Hewitt. He, he was asking Trump about. He's like, on my radio, you said you were going to release these taxes and this and that. And Trump's like, well, the good news is not too many people listen to your radio show. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and I was just like, ah, oh, nice. <laughs> but now I, I wonder if uh, more people listen to Lions of Liberty than uh, Hugh Hewitt. I'd like to like to well, find out. I don't out. know who he is. If that counts. Well, if yeah, I, I keep mean, hosting, they will. I mean, I've Three seen him on these debates a couple times, but I, I follow politics stuff all the time. And I don't really not that familiar with him. But um, I think Trump did the best. Like everybody else was just completely crazy to me. The things they were saying in support of Israel and intervention in places. And it was just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, if I, were, if I were to vote in the Republican primary, for sure, I would vote for Trump. There's no way I could vote for any of those other clowns. You're right. I, I switched my vote. It, Trump was involved in the chaos with the debate, but that was mainly because Rubio and Cruz wouldn't stop talking over him and, and trying to pick fights to score right. points, well, which really didn't you work. Forget that that all plays into Donald Trump's strengths anyway. That when there is chaos, Donald Trump wins because he is. You know, Cruz is a, a master debater, as we've said, but Donald Trump really excels at one-liners, and he's loud and he's very quick-witted. And when it comes down to that, you know, tit for tat, back and forth, he can whip out a zinger, no problem, and slap people down. So the more it devolves into that kind of, you know, off topic, not getting into deep weeds of actual politics and policy, he's killing it. So there you go. I I've revealed my. I also thought Donald Trump won tonight. Kasich was a I, massive disappointment. I agree with our uh, our very own Mark Claire, who a few days ago on our forum predicted that Donald Trump will be the next president of the United States. There's no way he could lose the primary unless the only possible way would be if Cruz and Rubio like joined forces and one of them took the like second fiddle slot. But that's not going to happen. There's no way. Yeah. And then it looks like Hillary will probably win the Democratic nomination. I mean, I'm still hoping that maybe Bernie will pull something off, but well, hold she's on. Let me, the worst. Let me, uh, she's so corrupt. I can't wait to see Trump go after her on everything, all the corruption, all the stuff oh, that the Bernie Sanders went on. It's going to be a bloodbath. No, they, they, he would absolutely rip her apart. We, we don't need, I don't want to get into too much of that yet. There, uh, there won't be any falling debates. asleep during those debates for yeah, sure. I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about all these other debates coming up. Yeah, exactly. So let me, uh, let me say my line of the night, which was Carson – and his closing statements, I greatly enjoyed him. Number one, dropping the fact that he was in it or that he was portrayed in a movie because of his magic healing hands by who? By Cuba Gooding Jr. And then asked everybody at home to magically join hands with him through the television <laughs> to, 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 to heal the world or something along those lines. And, Did you really uh, do it? I, I I put my hands on the TV like little Carol Ann and Poltergeist. Carol Ann! ready to, to pray for him to become present because <laughs> that would be a long shot. You know, Hail Mary pass, maybe that will pull it off. I don't know. All right, guys, real quick. Real quick, I want your predictions for Texas. Give me your top three. Rico, go. Uh, Trump, Cruz, Rubio. All right. Howie, go. Trump, Cruz, Rubio. All right, JB. I can't imagine him losing his own state, but I, I think I'm going to have to make it three for the same order. Wow. All right. I'm going to mix it up slightly. I am also going to say that Trump finishes first, but I'm going to put Marco in second and Cruz in third. So I'm going to go wow. Trump. Really? Yeah. I'm Dude, gonna... Did you know Marco's actually in third place in Florida? 
That's hilarious, and I love it. <laughs> What's he going to do when he loses this uh, election? I mean, oh, he's going to cry. Oh, he's going to get his teddy bear, and his nurse is going to tuck him in and read him a bedtime story. He's not going to like be a senator day. anymore. No. I thought he was aiming for the governorship if he doesn't get the presidency. <laughs> he's going to be mentored by John Kasich, best governor ever. <laughs> And by the way, also, I want to mention, because I haven't mentioned it all show when I really need to get this in. I've been drinking Magner's Irish Cider, which Rico and that? I enjoyed in Ireland. Did we? It, I forgot everything. Oh, we did. That's why you forgot it. Magner's is fantastic. I highly recommend it. It is my favorite uh-huh. cider. It nice. is sweet with a little bit of tang. Pretty dry. Delicious. Will not make you uh, sick to your stomach because of the sugar. And also, for those of you who have been listening along to our ramblings, this is episode 188, and you can find this at lionsofliberty.com slash 188. And uh, you can find all of our podcasts previously at the Lions Liberty Podcast Archive as well. And please do check that website because we will have show notes uh, for this show, little uh, tits and tats that we'll include. And maybe, uh, maybe we'll have a nice shot of Rico modeling his new bathing suit for the summertime. Are you in shape for the summer, Rico? Always, buddy. All right. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm glad you put me on the spot, but don't worry. <laughs> Six pack is good. All right. So, guys, just to wrap the show up in the uh, to honor Mark Claire, wherever he may be lying in a ditch somewhere. Won't you please join me in wishing everybody a nice live long and live live free. Hi, everybody. Brian here. I need to add a quick addendum to this GOP debate podcast because I, as your host, failed in my duties, missing a key topic that was brought up, although briefly during the debate. That is the topic of Apple versus the FBI, where the FBI has asked Apple to create a backdoor so that they may access iPhones, specifically the iPhone for the San Bernardino terrorists, who are now both dead. And of course, the FBI had requested that the San Bernardino Police Department reset the iCloud password, which then locked the phone down tight. The FBI cannot access it. Apple has refused to acquiesce to the FBI's request that they create a backdoor based on essentially the fact that you cannot create a backdoor for one phone. If you create a backdoor for that operating system, it applies to all of the iPhones, essentially giving the government a skeleton key to all of our phones. I have an iPhone. I'm sure many of you listening have iPhones. I know I'm not comfortable with that. Now, all of the candidates candidates on stage unanimously said that Apple should comply with the FBI's order and should create this back door. Of course, some of them had no idea what they're talking about, like Marco Rubio, who doesn't seem to understand that you can't just create a backdoor for one phone, but we'll move on from that. Now, there was one candidate you would have thought would have stood up for the personal privacy rights of Americans, considering some of his actions in the past. For example, taking part in a filibuster of the Patriot Act along with Rand Paul. Yes, we're talking about Ted Cruz. Did Ted Cruz stand up and say Apple was in the right, that the personal privacy rights of Americans needs to be protected and this did not make any sense to do? No, of course he did not. Ted Cruz took the same grandstanding soapbox as the rest of them, calling for Apple to immediately acquiesce and to put all of our privacy at risk for the sake of security. Next time you want to tell me that Ted Cruz is a libertarian in hiding or a the most libertarian candidate on stage and that we should support him now that Rand is gone, please take that evidence into account. That being said, until next time, guys, please do live long and live free.